Blog Talk Radio. You're a mystical man. Lead us through sacred land. In the magic, the magic of life. You're a shaman that leads other people to Open to receive the magic like Good morning, everyone, and thank you so very much for joining me on this day, a day that many people around the world remember, September 11, 2001. It was 15 years ago that the World Trade Centers fell in New York City. And, you know, I, I, I remember specifically hearing a minister, and I don't remember who it was, and I've looked for this article for as long as I can, but he said something that really struck a chord with me about 9-11. He said, build your memorials, build them high, I say, but the greatest memorial you can build is to live your life gallantly, to live your dreams, and to be the best and that you know how to be, and that is giving a living tribute to those people who perished that particular day. And, you know, I know that today, because I've seen what's going on on social media, that people are feeling that. Uh, People are feeling that day, remembering what they were doing that day when they happened to turn on the the TV to see what was going on. And for all those people, all my friends in New York City that actually experienced it and was there, I want to offer an opportunity or a prayer or a meditation or a mantra that helps, especially if you happen to be uh, someone who feels a lot, um, like I do, like I can feel uh, the sadness of that day. It's called Tonglen. And Tonglen, what it does is it basically asks you to breathe in the desire for peace, the desire for healing, and breathe out healing, love, compassion, and understanding. Many times when people are empaths, when they feel, uh, many pe- like many people are feeling today, when they feel what's going on, they don't know what to do with that, and they get caught up in the emotion. They get caught up in, in the struggle of that emotion. And when we do that, we become part of the problem rather than part of the solution. And this is one way to be part of the solution. So you breathe in gently. The desire for healing and breathe out, healing, love, patience, understanding. And when we do this, we bring in an energy into our world that supports this day. And yes, we should remember. Yes, we should never forget. But most of all, as that minister said many, many years ago, we must also live. I am Daniel Gutierrez. I'm the host of Go Go Within or Go Without Radio, and today we have an incredible guest, and I'm so excited about having her on the show. She is a creative spark, unique ideas, rich imagination, born to write. This is how people describe my guest. She is a writer, speaker, dog lover, and endless fan of all things Susical, and is a part dreamer part Zanny, and part educator, and she also loves dessert. (laughs) I know that for a fact. She holds a BA in economics 
and works as a math and literary literary expert for literacy. I can't even say the word. You got to teach me. Specialist for children and learning with learning differences, which we're going to talk about today. She also owns a freelance writing company where words are art for copywriting articles and blogs. She's um, she's been recognizing she's been recognized for numerous writing competitions, essays and prose, and children's fiction. Welcome to the show, Lori Crocco. How are you? Hello, 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 Daniel. I am absolutely great. Thank you. Oh, I, I'm so I, glad that. Yeah. I, I must comment. I really enjoyed your thoughts about uh, <laughs> a living tribute. Thank I, you. I'm Canadian. I remember the day 9-11 happened. I remember somebody phoning me, and a good friend of mine phoned me and said, turn on your TV. And I turned it on, and there the news was all over the place. And mm. I felt the shock with our American friends, and we mourned mm-hmm. with And, you know, I think most people in life have experienced some kind of devastating loss at some point. And the only way we learn to move on from that is by becoming a living tribute to those people that we Yes. So yes, yes. Especially, especially on May. And, you know, and that memory and, you know, people, there are people who are still, you know, living with that grief and that, um, you know, that, that shock and, and working to move through it and find their peace in life again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the rest of us, the rest of us that, that saw it from afar is kind of what I was trying to say is seeing it from afar, you know, many people today, and I get probably the question I get asked the most is, what do I do with this pain? What do I do with the, what I'm feeling? What do I do with this uh, empathic understanding of what happened that day? And, and, and that's what Tongue Glenn's all about. You know, it, it's about breathing in the desire for healing and breathing out love, compassion, and understanding, and and it helps us be a part of the solution and bring bring peace and understanding to those individuals who experienced it firsthand and and secondhand from families. And so, yes, yes, and yet at the same time, remembering that that to be a tribute, to have our lives be a tribute, to be a living memorial. Uh, is really the greatest memorial we could we could build for uh, the devastation that we felt that day. So thank you for saying that. So today we're going to be talking about a topic, folks, that many of you have been asking me about. It's called neurodiversity, and neurodiversity is really really simple. It 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 takes what we call what we we think, and I'm putting quotations around normal. Normal folks think as being a disability uh, in understanding the different kinds of uh, challenges, I guess, I don't. maybe there's a different word for that, that people have in terms of autism, in terms of these diff- different things that, that people uh, actually come into this world with. And I remember when I asked Lori to be on the show, she and I were together in Canada, in Vancouver, as a matter of fact, and discussing why it is that that we tend to look at people that 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 may have autism uh, and label them and and pretend to believe that somehow they are less than and when they are 
uh, a lot of times uh, more than actually. And I remember once saying this uh, jokingly as I was speaking once in a large, large audience. I used to work downtown Los Angeles. I used to have an office down there. And, and I remember every day walking by individuals on the street that were just screaming and yelling out loud. And, and I remember saying to someone, saying, who's crazy or who is crazy? Is it the person who we can hear who's actually voicing their thoughts? Or is it us who are going crazy silently because we're louder than the person that we're watching and yet we, we look down on them? Lori, tell us about your, what your work. Tell us about your thoughts about this. You and I had a really nice conversation about this uh, because I think I shared with you that when I was a kid um, – they put me in a learning disability class because I didn't speak English that well in the beginning, and then they thought I was a little slow, and, and, and yet I was just a little bit of a thinker. I, it took me a while to get things going, and, and, and it turned out that, you know, um, I was actually quite brilliant. I just didn't have if – I, if I was living in today's time and was a child, they would have labeled me with everything possible. <laughs> but t- 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 tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, how uh, you know many of these people that maybe we view as being different than us are actually more than us. Yeah, we're not brilliant. Aware of that, and that's often the case in the neurodiverse community. It, traditionally, we refer to these people as having learning disabilities. That is what they are labeled as, and and children still today will go through a diagnosis and have an adult sit down and tell them, "You are learning disabled." Mm. And yet, that's what they told me. <laughs> that's what they told you. And yeah, they did. Yeah, when we look at it more closely, a learning disability is only a learning difference. We call them disabilities, but they're really learning differences. These are children, by the definition of a learning disability, these are children with average to above average IQs who learn differently than our traditional teaching methods which means it's only a learning difference. So, you know, traditionally, many people have thought we want to conform these children to be able to learn under our traditional teaching methods. Mm. Other people seek a cure. I personally have a different theory. To me, the cure to learning differences lies within the embrace. The cure lies within the embrace. Everyone has differences. We all have weaknesses. We all have challenges. We all have things we're not very good at. We all need help with those things. Ask me to cook Thanksgiving dinner for 20 people, and I'm ordering pizza. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I would love to be a wonderful hostess. In truth, I'm a terrible hostess. It's not my strength. But no one has ever diagnosed me as being hostess lexic or attention deficit hostess dolt or domestic use <laughs> disorder. You know, I've been criticized for it or I've been misjudged at times, but I've never been labeled as having a disorder because organizing a Thanksgiving dinner for 20 people just does not fit with my creative mind. So imagine what it's like for a child to have an adult sit them down and tell them they have a learning disability. Children or adults who are on the autism spectrum are told they have a disorder when really they just have a different operating system neurologically. And it presents them with their own unique set of challenges and gifts. And the more Now, Lori, this is... 
this is a personal thing for you, right? I mean, this is something you experienced personally. Yes. In your family. Yes, it is. I grew up with a brother who was autistic. Um, I have two uh, neurodiverse daughters uh, who are growing, one who is on the autism spectrum, at the top of the autism, autism spectrum. It's largely invisible to most people. She is also very gifted as a result of that autism. And my youngest daughter is in the gifted range. And many people kind of hear giftedness and they think, oh, wow, the gifted range, that's like the super, super bright. It, too, is a different learning style and presents with its own unique challenges. So mm. I have a fair amount of experience advocating in the school system for, for both children who are, are both exceptionally bright and talented, but their process of learning does not fit the traditional system. And then I, I work and support uh, children privately who have learning differences. So this is anywhere from ADHD to autism spectrum, um, dyscalculia, which gets into numbers, dyslexia, dyspraxia. There's all kinds. And, you know, some can be, most of these are so invisible on the surface that often these children are labeled as being lazy. Mm. Trying hard enough, or just simply not focused enough, when actually their brains are just wired very, very differently. And there are usually huge strengths in that different wiring. Um, my ex- in my experience, the challenge is also the flip side of the gift. And we can't have one without the other, they are interrelated. You know, I love what you just said, folks. If you didn't hear, she said that the that the challenge often is the flip side of the gift. And and I, you know, I'm so glad you said that and hit such a chord because I was recently coaching someone, Lori, and I was telling them exactly that that the, that what they have doesn't define them, but it is the gift to their search for spirituality for that particular person was brought upon because of this illness they have. But it doesn't make them different. It just makes them – the gift was the awareness that right. that put them on the journey that they're on, right? It's it's such a wonderful thing you said. I mean, and it's true for all of us, folks. It doesn't matter what part of life you're going through that, you know, some people might say silver lining, but I think it's it, – it, you're so right. It is the gift the challenge is uh, is often the flip side of the coin that is the gift. I love that. If you take a look, you know, maybe just as a more concrete example of that, uh, children and adults who are on the autism spectrum, they visually process at much heightened speeds, far more heightened speeds than what a neurotypical person does. Mm-hmm. The gift in that is they are exceptional artists. They are exceptional visual problem solvers. If a graph is put on the board at school, they can copy that graph within seconds while all the other children are struggling to catch up. But you take that same heightened visual processing and put that child in downtown New York during rush hour, and it's going to be be overwhelming for them. Hell, it's overwhelming for me. <laughs> right. So, but, but you see how 
how it's both a gift and it's a challenge. Yes, yes. There are things we can do that will just blow your mind away. There are things that my daughter, who's on the autism spectrum, can do that I cannot even fathom how she does it and the speed at which she does it. But then you take that exact same gift and you put it into an environment that's visually overwhelming, and they will feel overwhelmed. And we tend to, you know, watch that and say, you know, label them as being antisocial, mm. right, or socially awkward when inside they're not. They're the exact same. You know what's in, what's interesting not. about that is they're not the ones that feel awkward. It's us. It's us. <laughs> Right? We're the ones that feel awkward, and so we call them awkward. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so they, you know, we perpetuate these labels by not understanding what's actually going on in the neurological wiring. That's amazing. I, 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 love, I love the work you're doing, and, and I know it's come out of uh, a, a necessity to understand, to appreciate. I know you also work with a lot of students. Do you have any... Um, ideas or stories maybe you could share with us that would give some examples of of how your students have been able to overcome or even excel at what most people maybe would find different? Oh, I've worked with so many students for so many years, and, you know, most of these students um, I find I feel honored to work with them because their spirits and their minds, in many cases, are advanced. Their thinking is at advanced levels. And when I can help them see and understand their strengths, because a child that comes into the world, they're taking upon themselves what adults tell them. Mm. So their, their mental story that they carry with them throughout life is what they hear in the first you know, six to seven, maybe even ten years of their life, what other adults tell them. When I start seeing them, they have a mindset of, I can't, because I have a learning disability. And the very first thing I do is work to change that mindset to, I can. And the process of doing that is by finding where the child's strengths are, and when I say that, you know, we don't deny the, the challenge areas. It's just having that healthy balance between, okay, maybe this isn't my strength, but then look at these amazing abilities I have and teaching to those abilities. And amazing things start to come around for these children. And we see that the whole, um, you know, their whole focus on life just flip into this I can. I can do whatever I set my mind to. Everything is energy, right? So, oh, absolutely. If we take a look at a child's behavior, um, behavior is both symptomatic and interactive, and it feeds off the energy we choose to give it. Right? So if we break this down further, our beliefs, we take a look at our, our position, our role as adults in the child's life. Our beliefs fuel our language, our moods, our tone of voice, 
our choices, and our reactions to situations. So these children are exceptionally sensitive. They are able to pick up on the beliefs of others. They have an incredible ability to read people. They pick up on our tone of voice. They sense what we think of them. They can feel it. Mm. And they respond in kind. So we can create a negative energy cycle which continues to grow. And a lot of times what I will do is go into the school system and help uh, the teachers who are working with a particular child see the child in a different light than what they have grown accustomed to in order to change that negative, negative energy cycle. And when they start to grasp, you know, what this child's actually capable of and all the amazing things, and they start to respond to that child from that perspective, the energy cycle starts to change. And the child I love what you're saying about energy because I've I got to share with you something that, that will kind of add a highlight on that, and that is that I was with a friend once that had two very young boys, and um, she I went over to her house, and she says, don't don't uh, feel bad if the boys don't come over to you. They don't come over to anybody. So I decided to do a little project. I didn't tell her about it. So I sat down in the living room with them. I was in a recliner, and they were watching the TV. And I, I decided to expand my energy, let's just say the energy aura or bubble, whatever you want to call it, right. and, and, and ex- expand it enough that they were in it instead of out of it. Do you know oh, within 15 minutes they were in my lap, both of them? Mm-hmm. And she came into the living room and went, what did you do? And I said, I don't think you would believe me. But I that's what I did. Know. What you're talking about is I extended just all I did, and they felt it. They felt that they were okay. They do. And so often what we we perceive as neurotypicals, what we may perceive as someone being, you know, antisocial or not wanting to associate with us, it's really their reaction to us and our Yeah. Reaction. That's amazing. That, they, that, I'm they, so glad you brought that up because we so many times we just we think that they don't get it that we're judging them before we even walk in the door or 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 catering to them or pandering to them or to uh, patronizing when they really that's the other one patronizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Condescending. Um, Condescending. Um, that's another good word. If you're on the autism spectrum, well, then I I need to speak slower to you or I need to, you know. And, and that condescension, they will pick up on so fast. You don't even have to, you know, when my daughter ever came home from school and said, you know, having difficulty with this teacher, I learned to believe everything she said. Because when I went in and met with the teacher, I would come away going, she's right? How did she get all that? <laughs> she always knew. She always knew. You know, and this this is the same child who at the age of 14, so, you know, we think autism spectrum and we think, okay, there's problems here, right? But the same this same child at the age of 14 at breakfast one day said, I think that somewhere in the universe there must be a place where time does not exist. <laughs> well, this just comes out of her mouth one morning at breakfast while I'm rushing, trying to rush out the door. You know, I stopped dead in my tracks and, 
you know, I'm listening, we have these fascinating conversations in our household all the time. So I draw her out a little bit more on it, and she said, well, all of the planets rotate at different speeds. So a day on this planet is a different length of time than a day on this planet, and a different length of time than a day on this planet. So time changes depending where you are in the universe. Be a place where time wow. And she said, if you think about it, time is just something humans made up. Mm-hmm. So we're the ones that say, you know, 15 minutes is this and one hour is this. And, you know, we end up, you know, putting our lives in these time slots that we mm-hmm. 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 But she said, wow. exist. Time is, is an interconnected thing that is happening. So time is different in other places of the universe, just like we have a different time zone in another part of the world. That had to blow your mind. Folks, while we're um, going along in our conversation here, please uh, feel free to look up her website um, to find out more information about Lori's work, who she is, what she does. Uh, Am I saying this right? Crookal.com? Am I saying that right? Crookal. Okay. Crocal. Okay, there you go. And it's L A U R I E C R O O K E L L dot com. Um, you can find out more about her and a couple of articles that she wrote there called um, Learning Upside Down and Different Shades of Perfect. I got a chance to read both of them and I thought they were very enlightening um, articles. And also, we're, it's amazing how quickly the show goes, especially when we're uh, discussing a topic that I think that, you know, uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, my my goal in life, my work in life is somehow finding uh, humans to accept themselves no matter what, um, whether it be um, because you learn different or because you're a different color or different gender or whatever it may be to find your way to love that, that at the end of the day, this human experience that we're having um, is designed for us to find ways to get to acceptance. Uh, and I think that acceptance is the key to uh, a happy life um, and, and realizing that that life comes in all kinds of flavors. Lori, we just started the school year. And before we go, I really wanted you, if you could give the the families that, that deal with this kind of neodiverse child, if you have any tips to help them uh, have a successful school year, because, you know, I know um, how challenging that must be for the parent uh, and for the child, both both of them, when they don't have the tools for it. It is challenging for both, because um, there's still a significant lack of understanding uh, you know, within society about what neurodiversity really is. Uh, one mm. of the first things I recommend to, to parents is to create a connection between your child and his or her teacher. There's lots of ways to do this. You can point out to your child the interesting things you notice about a teacher. Maybe the teacher loves sports or, or the teacher loves animals or art, whatever. Focus on the interesting aspects of the teacher and point them out. And notice the similarities between the teacher and your child. Maybe they have similar tastes in something. Maybe your teacher's favorite color is blue, too, or your teacher loves soccer as well. And focus on those, those similarities to build that connection. Another great way is to help your child share their gifts 
and talents with the teacher and with the class. Again, it's about creating that connection. When children feel connected, they will care and will be more interested in bringing their best to the school year. Um, another tip that I really recommend to parents, usually there's a teacher meeting. We have an opportunity to meet with the teacher and learning resource people. Quite often these meetings focus on the negatives, which then starts the school year with this negative mindset. So as much as you can, draw into the meeting all the positives of your child and all the wonderful things that your child brings to this world. And there are loads, and every parent will be able to tell you all the amazing positive things that their neurodiverse child brings to this world. So as much as we can keep that, the flow of that meeting positive, so the teacher's you know, mindset at the beginning is one of positivity towards your child, we're going to have a more positive outcome. Mm. Involving uh, your child in, um, to be part of the solution. So in their, child, in their challenge areas, whether it's um, difficulty with being dis distracted or high energy or super determined, it's really important. These children often feel picked on and like they are bad. Right? So you might have a super determined child who adults get frustrated with because we want our children to all just sort of do what they're told when, we're, when, they're, when they're told. The same traits that we often complain about in children are the same traits that make them amazing adults. Mm -hmm. So that determination that we find so headstrong at times is going to be the same thing that's going to make them so amazing when they grow up. And we're going to cheer it on. That determination is going to take them really far. And so in your conversations with your child, focus on highlighting how wonderful these qualities are. And that, but life is about knowing when to use your determination for good and when it's time to hold back. And then invite the child to be part of the solution and to create plans around homework when they do not want to do homework? What is the best time to do homework? Help them understand the pros and cons of the different times, whether it's right after school or perhaps they need a break, perhaps they want to do it after dinner. Help them to understand the pros and cons and to make a, for the child to make a choice around when they will tackle their homework. Because then the I love it. And the child is committed. And we're still doing that. You know, we can still do that with, with limits around what is acceptable. We can indicate that if they would like parental help, we are only available up until 9 o'clock at night. Right? So there are still rules and limits around that. But involving the child and giving them some sense of choice, they are going to be more committed. Mm. Lori, we are out of time. Uh, can you are. believe it? Isn't it wonderful? Oh. When you can just when you're just going along and you're realizing, gosh, I got this, <laughs> <laughs> folks. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, next week, I'm going to have Dr. Dillard Wright. 
He wrote a book called A Mindful Morning. I've read out of it before at the beginning of the show. Start each day with a clear mind and an open heart. We're going to be discussing his new book, and you've got to get a copy of this. I absolutely love it, and I actually do meditation from it. We're going to close today with a dear friend of mine, Mark Romero's music called Rising Sun. I just want to be a tribute to those people in 9-11. As we play this song, just listen to it, be present, breathe in the desire for healing, breathe out peace and tranquility. And Lori, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Daniel, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Breathe in the desire for healing and breathe out peace, love, and tranquility. Have a beautiful, blessed day, and remember to be a living memorial. Namaste.